Welcome to Getting Juicy! So I wasn't sure if I was going to go high or low on that one, but you kind of, <laughs> you stole my thunder, my thunder, 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 thunder. Yeah, thunder down under. Oh my gosh, by the way, you look so beautiful. Sorry, that is like so ADD, like all of a sudden, like just shiny, shiny things. Yeah, like all shiny things because your, your face looks so clean shaven you got the hair I don't know like something you just you're glowing right now oh thank you thank you so much honestly maybe it's because the last time I saw you, you had the thickest mustache I've ever seen because of an <laughs> yeah, that's right because of an Instagram filter so maybe that's why I'm like oh wait a second no, yes, no, no, that's no, right. that, that filter wasn't real but no. now <laughs> no that's right so the filter's gone and I shaved my pubes off so yes now I'm like clean as a baby Beautiful, beautiful. Yes. So I'm sorry, Freddie Mercury, no more. Because no honestly, more. that's, but that was, it was pretty cute. I got to say that thick mustache. Well, I got to say Freddie was... Mercury, like I got burned by Freddie Jupiter. Who's that? What? I don't know. I just made it up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh yes. Okay. The planets. Okay. I got it. Oh my God. Okay. Well, that, that joke's gone wrong. Yeah. No kidding. Um, that's not really a good tangent necessarily just to uh, slide into who our guest is, but we're going to go with it anyway. <laughs> Anyways, I'm Hero Prince. Yes, and I'm Rachel Rosen, and thank you for joining us. Uh, we have a an amazing guest on the show that I feel, I want to call him like a master creator. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a, a gentleman, a person on our show, um, and Daniel... Alexander Jones, three yes. names. Um, this human, I believe, is going to be zooming into us from New York. So okay. three hours ahead. Um, this human, I keep just I just say human because I just feel like there's so many facets to I agree. To Daniel. Agree. Um, a writer, so like he's he's gonna have to correct me on this. I just feel like he does so much singing, writing, um, you know, performances on. I don't even know if I want to see on Broadway, off Broadway plays. Um, also, not only Daniel is Daniel Daniel, but is also, um, I want to get this correct. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Joe Mama Jones, which I love. Uh, Joe Mama Jones is, I don't want to say an alter ego because not an alter ego. Joe Mama Jones pretty much is a spiritual, I want to say almost influence that speaks um from Daniel yes. I mean it's a it's super interesting and a beautiful singer has some yes. gorgeous songs and and I, I said the word spiritual already but I just feel like um Daniel is a very down-to-earth spiritual I'll say it again person who allows that to shine in all the facets of what he does mm -hmm. so Absolutely. please add to that I know it just it sounds kind of vague Yes. Um, but I really want to dial it because I feel like there's just so much to Daniel. So I really want to, yes. that's what we're going to get down to in this podcast. Who is Daniel? Let's dive deep into exactly. who he is. So, yeah. Well, I mean like Daniel, uh, when you look at Daniel's website, there's many different credits, many different, uh, drop downs and things oh like that. Oh my gosh. Yes. So it's really like for me, I know it's all relevant and important information, but I also am curious to know what all of it is, even by clicking and reading, I'm curious to know what, the full extent of those projects or accomplishments or um, art artistry that Daniel has really provided themselves into their career. 
Uh, and I do agree with you. I think Daniel is an embodiment of expression and being a visionary, being a yes. kind of a mastermind of things. And that's what I got from looking at the platform that he's created. So I'm curious to see how, not just himself, but how he got into what he's doing. And you can see a little bit on his website about where he might have came from, but it's not super, super obvious, even though there's a lot of wonderful information about yes. what he's done, who, what he, where he comes from, and what he's doing now. I'm, I'm really curious to know like, where he started. Oh my gosh, yes. Because like we both have said, there's a lot. <laughs> he's done a lot, and the website proves it you know? Um, and so, yes, just super stoked to kind of, to hear more about Daniel and, um, you know, even though he's so multi multifaceted, what is his focus right now? Because, you know, I feel like that's changed definitely over time for him perhaps. And there's, you know, I think it even says, I think Jamama's perhaps, um, a big focus of his right now, perhaps. Um, but we'll dive all into that very soon. And, you know, hopefully put a mental health flair on all of that as well, because I'm sure uh, with every person, there's something under the surface oh, or yeah. even or on top of the surface, even because I feel yeah. like not much really gets uh, stuck under the surface for Daniel. That's kind of the gist I'm getting, perhaps, oh. um, which is beautiful. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, before he hops on, because um, we don't even know if we did this in our last episode about our question of what is juicier at the end of the podcast. Did we do that the last episode? I don't think we did. No, I don't even. No, we didn't. Are you sure? Like who? Oh, wait, okay, we had wait a second. Last, and yes, we did do it. Okay, yes, maybe we, we did. did. You know why? Yes, because because the last episode we uploaded to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Getting juicy with Rachel Hero is actually an upload from an Instagram live we did with mustaches, which is why we're talking about mustaches. Yes. But we did not talk about that question. And I want to raise the question again this episode. And my question for Daniel, because I want to also know the definition of these terms myself from somebody who's living there, is what is juicier on Broadway or off Broadway? Oh, that's a, uh, that's a fiery one, man. I think it's a big, I think it truly is. Cause I think at one point, like, I mean, you go, you go ahead. I'm talking a lot. What is your answer to that question? Cause I have a bit of a, uh, an answer perhaps to that from my own. I mean, standpoint. honestly, I want to say off Broadway. And why? Well, okay. Like I'm not the theater nerd in this duo or soon to be trio. I'm like, compared to yourself, you have a lot more knowledge in upbringing, but I think, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of the fringe and the, and the alternative. So I don't look at something yeah. off, off broad Broadway as being less than what is on Broadway. I think it's kind of more, what else, what's underneath it all, you know, Absolutely. what's the alternative approach to something that we wouldn't even think about and who are the people that are really making a difference and maybe, maybe not, but I don't, I don't know enough about Broadway. If it's on Broadway, is there subject is it subjected to censorship is it subjective to you know a certain kind of candor that is not you know it's too it's not mainstream enough because these broadway theaters are so based on universal populations right yes yeah well and i and i i actually completely agree. i agree with everything you just said like i think that's kind of a loaded question and here he comes right now and i was just yes, gonna say really quick, I, think at, I think at one point on broadway used to be the shit and now that doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I 
be because of what you just said. Yes. What a fantastic line to walk into. Hey, Daniel. How are Hi. you? Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you both. Nice to nice. meet you too. Thanks for taking your galaxy in two hours. Oh yeah, it is a joy. I'm so psyched to meet you. So yeah. We're so what psyched. did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> just us being two ishy Jews you know, kvetching and, you know, just cavelling. I don't know what else to say. Rachel, you got anything to add to that? Not really. I don't, did you hear what we just said about on Broadway? You probably didn't hear anything. Okay, that's fine. That's great. Because we'll, because we're going to ask that question at the end, but we always like to tell our guests that we are recording already. Beautiful. So just, you know, no surprises. Um, although we love surprises, but, you know, so we're doing that already and uh, we just kind of jump in kind of flow with, go with the flow. I was gonna say flow with the, I don't know what to say, flow with the go. That sounds oh. yeah. <laughs> Flow with the go. Um, yeah. So you are three hours ahead of us, I think. No, I'm in, in, I'm in LA right now. So we're all- Oh, okay. Line. Oh my God, we're all lying. Oh, I was really wishing you could tell me what the future was gonna be like three hours from now. Oh, like it's like such a riveting amount of time. Like those, I can still than 80 that. minutes. I can, can you? There's dessert coming. That's the thing to Ooh. Oh my. Yes. Oh my. Dessert before sweet. dinner. Mm. <laughs> oh. I love it. So I don't know, Hero, I kind of did um, a little introduction to yourself and you have no idea. I'm like, they have, our guests have no idea what we said about them. They were all good things. <laughs> always. Um, always. Um, but we always kind of like to have our guests also talk about themselves. So, you know, basically it's whatever we could gather from your website and from social, but basically our platform is really about getting behind all that and getting beyond all that. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, I also feel like even with social media, how it was, uh, I guess, originally deemed to be a platform for authenticity and being real, like that Facebook started from, you know, just college kids, like shooting the shit, wanting to know who their fellow classmates were. But mm -hmm. I feel like it's kind of diverted from that. And, you know, whatever is quote unquote real is, is also fake now <laughs> like it's a fake reel there's mm -hmm. filters there's this there's that so um yeah so we want to really just get to know the real daniel and uh there's you are multifaceted holy <laughs> holy cow so maybe dial it down who are you we want to get the we want to get the, we want to get the strip version yeah <laughs> okay, well, that's good I got my yeah little, right my, little, <laughs> my moves on yeah, I, I love that. I, you know, I was so excited when I learned about your podcast and thank you so much for having me. And I, I, you know, did a little listen to some of the previous and I just, I love that. I love that it's conversation and that you two are so clearly connected and have such a beautiful connection that feels like it goes beyond just the circumstances of your life. I, I feel like you two probably you know, in some way have been together across time, right? You know, like you found each other. And it's that place for me, you know, you say strip down. I think I'm, I'm deeply, deeply a person who found art as a way to make expression and connection. Mm -hmm. That was my route to doing it. But the point has always been that sense of connection. It's not the object of the art, but it's like, what does the art get us to? And hopefully the art gets us to this, to a conversation, a, more, a point of meeting. We don't know each other at all, but here we are. What can we find? What's possible, you know, in, in one hour together that would, you know, be a suggestion of like, 
if you meet a stranger, what can you do? You know, it doesn't all have to be judgment and distancing. It can be something mm -hmm. else. So I love the way you said that. Like get to the mm -hmm. authenticity and and you know, sometimes you just gotta get real in the conversation to get there. So I yeah. agree. Thank you for saying that. And sorry, here, we talk over each other. Go ahead. Yes, <laughs> I know. That's what happens. And, you know, our connection comes from being best friends, you know, and that transcended into working together as a as sharing a podcast. And we said from the very beginning, we don't want to change anything about our discussions on the podcast. We want them to reflect how we are as two humans, as best friends, and who are both completely aligned in that way. So that's what you're seeing um, in, resp in response to what you're picking up on. It's definitely not just two co-hosts. Um, but we also are, we don't look at ourselves as, as pretentious or as, um, you know, as an image. We look at ourselves as real people, just like everyone else. And so the people we have on the show embody that feeling of similarity and that they, we all started somewhere. We're all still the same people as we were when we popped out of our, you know, our parent. So why all the extra makeup on top? and work toward that learn how the makeup came on learn how that extra filter learn how that extra pair of headphones came on or whatever you want to call it but you didn't start there so you know keep your humility keep your um sincerity because that's what people really want to know that's mm -hmm. what we want to know right and it's interesting because here are you like I, I don't know if you said the word label but i feel like no and i feel like it, correct me if i'm wrong daniel but it's, it's hard to label you because I don't think, and I, and I think that's a good thing. Like, I think that we live with too many labels and get, you know, stuck in these boxes where mm -hmm. we feel like we have to be a certain way. Um, so with that said, like I, I, but to be quite honest, I was like, how do I introduce Daniel? Like, is he, <laughs> he's like, he's like, a writer, yeah. he's a writer, he's a singer, but he's an artist all encompassing. He's, you know, um, Jamama Jones, uh, so many, so many things. So we're going to go, I know we just kind of like digressed a little <laughs> bit. We're going to go back. We're going to, we're going to go back in time now. We're going to yeah. go to the original question of, of really introducing yourself as Great. a well, modality. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think I can, I can make the introduction and, and answer that question of like the label or how yeah. label by saying that, you know, if I talk about who I am, I always have to talk about whose I am. Like, where do I come from? Mm, yep. Is what, what lineage do I belong to? Yeah. And I was born to two incredible human beings. My father's name is Arthur, my mother who passed away in November of 2020, her name was Georgina, oh, but we called sorry. her Georgina. Thank you. But the two of them, they married in 1968. She a white woman, he a black man, in New England at, you know, a year after Loving versus Virginia. So, so interracial marriage was illegal in wow. much of the country up until that point. And they were brought together in the heat of the 1960s, right? And they were oh. both social, socially engaged people. Their work was in community. They worked in Boys and Girls Clubs of America. They were like, they were the people who would actually give you the shirt off their back if you needed it. And oh, so my, my grandmother, right? So when, when I think about that, I was born to people who believed that labels were things you should transgress to get to the humanity, mm. to get to that love. And they took personal, great personal risk in their own lives to follow love and not to follow what society told them was right or wrong or appropriate or inappropriate. And like any 
married married couple. They went through their, you know, Sturm und Drang and upheavals. But when she passed away, they had been married since 1968. So wow. it was like, wow. so some way that they even, the way they lived with each other and the way that they embodied, you know, relationship. Again, a lot of downtimes, you know, I'm like, I'm not, there's no, <laughs> but yes. to say that, that I had the example of people who were, were simply following love, right? But because yeah. of the way the society viewed them, they were then viewed as being iconoclasts, right? Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that for me, I've just followed love. I've followed creativity. I've followed like you two are best friends. I follow my friends. I work with people that I'm like, I like that human. I want to know more about them. What better way to get to know them than to make a play together or make a song together or try some crazy yes. scheme out together, you know, and, and get in the mix with each other. Yeah. And so, um, you know, what, what ended up happening is that that led me in my journey to try on a number of different ways of doing things, different hats, so to speak, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, and what I knew is that what was important is the human inside of all of that. Mm -hmm. So I didn't care about becoming a playwright, a director, a songwriter. Like those were things that the outside world dictated. Yep. I didn't see them, at, like I get it. And maybe, you know, there's some parts of the world that'll be like, you might've done a little better to pick one, you know? <laughs> I don't think that. I, what I feel is I've been on this incredibly rich journey where I've been able, because I haven't been in a box, to really move, travel, see things from different perspectives. And I think it's grown my spirit in a way that I'm really happy with right now. I'll be 52 in, in a few weeks. And I feel without question that the journey I've been on has helped me feel so excited about that rather than feel like it's, it's, a, it's a scary thing. Wow. Well, well first and First and foremost, no, I'm taking this mic. Um, first and foremost, thank you so much for like responding to that. And I was kind of saying to Rachel, I kind of viewed you kind of as a visionary, as a creator, right? Like not even a label in a way of labeling, but because that's so much about what you are doing. You are creating, you're making impact, you're um, amplifying your voice in a way of helping others amplify their voices. Right. And the story of how you just said where you came from, how your parents came to where they were, the amount of, uh, you know, just being so true to your values and sticking to what felt, feels right, that feels aligned with your spirit. Those are things that take a lot of resilience, a lot of strength, a lot of perseverance, <laughs> which is a thread that is all mm -hmm. of us. And lastly, you also said your birthday is in a couple of weeks. So it's in February, correct? Yes. When is your birthday? February 9th. I, I am an Aquarian, like, yes. We all are. We all, we are. all are. We all are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why this is like it is already. I'm like, yeah. Okay. We're 11 days apart from each other. She's January 31st. I'm February 1st. And you're the 9th of February as well. That's <laughs> fine. We find each other. Absolutely. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Here. Yes. <clears throat> But you're like you're what you just described basically sums up. I, I is that on your website that story? Is the I story don't know. because because I don't know because you know what's where anymore. Okay, that's the other part of 50, almost fifty two is you don't know where anything is. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the reason I say.
say that is because that basically just some, it, it really sums up beautifully what um, maybe what I, I didn't, I couldn't figure out about you. And so that, that just helped me like that just put it, brought it all together. So I love, I love what you said. And the other, and then I also wanted to say, I thought here was going to say this. I thought you were 10 years younger than what you just, and I'm not just trying to blow smoke up your butt. Like, <laughs> like whatever you're doing is working. So that's another thing. And I also feel like it sounds sort of like you're, you're continuing to do, maybe you kind of already said this, continue to do the work that your parents did, but just in a, in a different way, in your own way, in your own creative way. So mm-hmm. with that being said, where did the, the, the create the creative aspect, how did, where did that come from? Did that come from your parents? Did they, did they put you in, in those kind of classes growing up? You know, how did that kind of come about to be your outlet of what you're doing, I guess? Absolutely. You know, um, one thing that I often say about my upbringing was that art was so much a part of everyday life. It wasn't, um, how do I put this? Like, it was a special thing, you know, to go to the movies or to go to a museum or very, very rarely, almost to the point where I can't, you know, I can barely name a a time outside of school-based stuff, like going to the theater. That wasn't a thing Mm. we necessarily did. Mm. But we, as kids, our default, because mind you, you know, this is the 70s and 80s, right? So we didn't have any Google stuff. We, you know, playing was go outside in the spring yeah. <laughs> and don't come in until it's dark. And in winter is like, you better find something to do and get out of my face, you know? So <laughs> a lot of what we did was was making. We would, mm-hmm. we would you know, construction yeah. paper or pops it in my, you know, my mom was very, uh, as somebody who worked a lot with kids, she was, you know, would do stuff like make homemade clay for us to play with or, or yeah. help us learn how to collage something or something like that. So just the sense that one of the things you could do as a kid was go and make something yes. was always there. But I had the benefit of coming up during the years where uh, prior to the real kind of hammer drop of in the, in the U.S. of the Reagan administration's mm. policies, there was still such incredible art in the public school. So mm. I was going to public school, but we had painting, we had singing, we had dancing, we had theater, we had express, you know, that was a part of the curriculum from right. elementary school. So I was, when we were little, 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 we were in pageants of like, you know, cultures of the world or like mm-hmm. you know, the Thanksgiving day, you know, like all the lies about Thanksgiving, but we sure told them with construction paper, hat, you know, all that stuff. So there was this sense that part of the ritual of being, being alive yeah. was making things. So that's kind of the, the, you know, I say it to say that that was the world I was in. Yeah. But so my, my exposure to creativity really came in high school where I thought I was, I often say I was like the most geeky, nerdy, like outcast kid. I had the headgear that came out of your mouth and went around. Oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. Like it didn't go you know, like it wasn't like on top of your head, was it? It wasn't or on top, but it had the band that went. Okay, yeah, 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 wow. yeah. Okay, yeah. It, was, it was. So you're like, you know, you're going around. Like, oh, jeez. Oh, a lot of stuff, you know. And again, yeah. it was like no Invisalign. This is like metal, you know. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so I, I had the experience of being totally ostracized. 
uh, in junior high school in the first part of high school. So much so that in my first year of high school, the only people I talked to were like the lunch ladies and the guidance counselor who, who watched to let you in and out of the cafeteria, right? And at some point, oh like halfway through, they divorced me. They were like, you need to go find somebody else to talk to because we're tired of talking. They were like, they shoved me away. And I was like, I'm crying, you know? Oh my um, gosh. So I bring that up to say that for me, visual art became the thing. Writing yeah. became the thing because I could go in a private place and make something that reflected yes. my subjective world. And it wasn't until the end of the 10th grade that I, I got kind of caught by theater and I realized that inside this shy and awkward person there was somebody who actually was adept at standing on a stage or being a center of attention and using that to move something in the room and it was it was then I was like oh that's what you are going to do and that became my path that's amazing so did you find now do you find your for lack of better word, your tribe at that point? Did you find other people that were, um, yeah, you know? I, mean, I, think I, I found my first, my first crew, you know? Okay. That was like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, y'all, y'all may be, you, you're not too young to know of fame, but there was a TV show that fame with Debbie Allen and like, it was a very popular- I know, yeah. Yep. I'm, yep. I'm okay, I'm okay. Well, we always age ourselves is fine. We're, we're in, we're all in actually different, eras interestingly enough so i'm i'm gonna be 40 in a year and a half oh got it okay so you had that yeah. hero yeah. is but hero's 10 years younger so there's like yeah. a real like it's yeah turning 30 interesting everybody's problems we got yeah. we have we look at one two three yeah it, exactly absolutely absolutely so yes i do and and daniel actually my parents were musical theater performers when i was growing up so i i'm familiar like Maybe I'm more familiar with like, you know, Broadway shows, but uh -huh. yes, I, yes. So yes, but yes, continue. Sorry. <laughs> no, but that, that's really, yeah. that, that's really, that's really it. Um, mm -hmm. So a hundred percent. Yeah, no. So I, I feel, I feel in a weird way, like um, one of the things I often tell younger people, especially because I've, I've taught for a long time. So I tell my students, is, you know, especially when life gets tough, yeah. When you're on the younger side, right? You have to keep going for one reason, which is you haven't found all your people yet. And you think you're making decisions about life mm -hmm. and you haven't gotten your full crew. I still don't even have my full crew, but the people I've got, like when I think about who I met in my 20s, who I met in my 30s, who yeah. I met in my 40s, and how those meetings changed everything about my view of life about about possibilities healing mm -hmm. radical transformation so i'm always like if i had stopped before or if i had made a like a big decision without kind of keeping going a little bit longer mm -mm, wouldn't have been magic so what was the motivation then because like i feel like you know I both here and I talk a lot about mental health on this podcast. And I feel like if that had happened, just bringing it to me, just because of what I know, if that had happened to me in that, at that age, I think I might have gone further into my shell unless I had some sort of, I guess, well, I guess you just said it, an outlet. So for you, it became theater. For me, it was yoga, you know, like some, something, right. So something to grasp onto, but also at that time, um, yes, we're a little younger than you, but during when I was going through high school, like no one talked about 
mental health or what was it like to be alone or what was it like to be bullied or you know it was just like you know the stupid like you know sticks and stones will break my bones kind of bs right so like i just i guess i'm just kind of curious it were you did you almost self-teach your how did you kind of rise above yeah the ashes so to speak without having that verbiage or you know yeah, I, mean, I, I will say that i think there was a lot of damage done that you know <laughs> over the years it's taken me a very long time to recognize you know find those pockets of my own soul where there's yeah. there's stuff that was broken um that's and i think that i i say that to you not to say oh woe is me but rather to say I think we all have damage from just being alive, right? Mm-hmm. And and for some people, as you're describing, like, you know, there there are almost unspeakable traumas that they they engage. Mm-hmm. But here's here, I think the real key for me was again who I came from. Yeah. My parents and my grandmother, my mom's mom especially, the stuff they went through. I can't even put my head around some of the stuff now that I'm now that I'm adult and and there's some things you know when when my mom passed she uh, asked me to take care of her belongings and she didn't have a lot of material possessions but she had a lot of meaningful things you know and mm-hmm. and some writings that she had the journaling that she had done and and kind of going through that and saying oh my god like stuff that I never knew she was dealing with when I was a little kid, for example. Mm, right. and, and the kind of the understanding to say now, when I look at struggles that I've had, I can point to something which she had, which my grandmother had, which my father had, and that is curiosity. Mm. They were always curious about mm. life. And I bring that up to say that they could feel what they were feeling. But there was another little part of them right alongside that that was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm depressed. I'm, bullied. you know, as a teenager, yeah. I'm like, I was, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can use this word on the thing. Yeah, but anything. Every, every day in high school, I, w- I want to say really those first two years, especially, I was called faggot and pushed up or physically hit, pushed up against locker something every day, yeah. but yeah. every day of school but every day of school, sometimes multiple times. So yeah. it was this norm, normalized thing. Yeah. And I had to say to myself to keep going, I'm like, yo, you know, I, had, you know I, I hadn't yet grown enough that people didn't mess with me physically. And, you know, I, even, I, even I had that privilege as a male, you know, cis male person and so forth. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it was the curiosity to say, wow, this is a jacked up situation. Like, I'm in this, what's going on? So I'm, I would actually even then ask myself, so why are they doing that? Mm-hmm. Because I actually know them. I know their mama, I know their daddy, I know their cousin, like, mm-hmm. I know, and when we're in my neighborhood, it doesn't quite go down like that. It's yeah. not that they hold the same opinion, but it's not quite the same. But when we're in school, it happens. And so I started even then to be able to say, oh, there are structural things happening here yeah. that are causing this, causing this dynamic that I'm caught in, but it's not just those people and their personalities. Something else is going on here. So it started mm-hmm. to be about race and class and, and representation and territory and turf. And, and it didn't necessarily make the bullying go away, but it mm-hmm. made me hungry to know more why people do stuff like that. Like, why do you do that? 
And that kept me going. And so I always, I'm always like the curiosity that wow. there's, there's more to life than just what you're going through. Even if what you're going through is horrifying and the yeah. only thing you could pay attention to, there's always something to be curious about. And that was something my, my parents and my grandmother were like, they were coming, they were, you know, they weren't, they, it was new. Love it. I should have said this, it was Massachusetts. So it's like, they're Yankees, they don't have no, you know, they have feelings, but they're not gonna linger too long. You know, it's, it's like, you gotta, you know, <laughs> no come, you better, somebody better be shoveling. So it's like, you can cry, but cry while you're shoveling. Yes. So yes. yeah. You know? Yes. Oh my God. It was a I, long answer, but. That no, was. I love, and there's, I've, I've so much I could say, but here, Hero, I'm cannibalizing this conversation, please, please. No, it's fine. Um, it's one of those things that with everything you just said, discovery is something that's within all of us. And I find that when we are in the most sense of not knowing where to pull from, we ask questions, you know, and as Jewish people, we ask questions all the time. I mean, it's just part <laughs> of our background, you know, and I joke around, we ask more than four questions, but we do, you know, it's really one of those things that if I wasn't, inquisitive or proving something to myself or to whatever motive is there was i wouldn't be alive right now no matter if i'm 30 or 40 or, or 70 i would probably have taken my life and if i was a teenager if i had the brain to do so which i don't so when you look inside you reflect about what you've been through you look at your ancestors you look at your peers you look at how other people act and show up in the world you become an observer of other people's actions you know, mm -hmm. and you might observe your own actions from that as well, because you might take on some of those things temporarily, hopefully only for a little bit. So the oppression and the uh, homophobia, and I would guess maybe certain some aspects of racism, maybe less, maybe more. I mean, I'm growing up in the generation you did. And even today, I can only imagine how those patterns to unpack that, to unlearn those things and also to process it. Um, you know, you spoke a lot about in the beginning about your life and going through high school and kind of like 10th grade, finding that performance of theater. And so in respect to what you just said and expressed, I'm curious to know how that piece of curiosity kind of lended it, maybe have lent a hand through the later years of senior high school, going into uh, post-secondary, if you went for post-secondary education. Can you speak more to that a little bit and how that kind of transcends through what you just spoke about? Yeah, so the first thing that really was different was all of a sudden I had been this, it was like uh, one of those toys that like, you can turn inside out and there's another, like the mm -hmm. dolls that are like two different dolls, you know? Yeah. So all of a sudden I was moving in the world, like whether it be the, the hallways of classical high school or, or the street or what have you, understanding that I could manipulate the way that I move through space, mm. the way I took up space. And as a result of that, that I could change the way that other people were perceiving me and mm. sometimes change their behavior based on the changes that I would make. So it was like, all of a sudden, I was a mad scientist for behavior. Like I was like, <laughs> oh, what? Now what can I do? So. All the, the ability that I found almost accidentally to be able to transform in a monologue or a, or, or a thing, which was so nascent, you know, like I, it wasn't a mm -hmm. skill yet. It was a, it was like finding out you had a superpower, but you have no notion of how it works. You yeah. know? So I wanted to figure out like, how does this work? So I ended up really, you know, it was the eighties. Right. So I was like, 
it, there was there was at that time what we called um, God. It was called gender bending. I think was the name mm -hmm. of the term, right? And it was a yeah. a lot because of you know obviously in the seventies there had been Bowie and there had been LaBelle yes. and there were like so there was there was a lot of that happening. But the eighties with like Culture Club and yep. and and you know there were just all of these sort of places where all of a sudden what was then called androgynous was somehow yeah. it had currency in the culture and mm -hmm. i was someone who especially when i was in the, that age bracket from like late teens through my 20s that i was quote unquote androgynous yeah everyone was confused about my gender presentation you know uh i i really look back now and i'm like oh i was like a little hippie chick like i was very <laughs> you know, my long hair i was very like this you know yeah and uh and so I tried on a lot of different stuff. So I was like, well, what, you know, if I, if I dress like this, what will happen? If I wear eyeliner, what will happen? If I, if I do this, this way, if I do that, that way. So I carried that kind of forward. Um, and I began to realize, oh, that, that you can really change the conversation by changing, like in a way, like transforming yourself. Mm -hmm. What, what is that about? And that, of course, is key to a lot of performers, right? Like yeah. maybe a great interpreter as a singer or a great actor or someone like, I'm thinking of like a, a, like a Charlie Chaplin even, like someone who's charismatic, yes. right? In their presentation. So I want, I, you know, working class, city, public school. I was like, I'm gonna be an actor. My parents, huge hearted. No, like, not why? No, <laughs> no, but they, they were actually the ones I'm, I'm the only one I know who was like, they were like, well, yes, go be an actor. And I'm like, none of us understood what that meant. You know, but like we, you know, there was this sort of just like you go. And yeah. again, part of it was this sense that they walked with, which is like, do what we don't know. Do no one has done, uh, don't, don't, yeah. don't do that. Why not? What, you know? Cause it's the curiosity. It's the curiosity yeah. with them. Yeah. Free. We're supposed to be in a different world now, right? Like, yeah. so. That's an important thing. I think for a lot of people now, it's hard to imagine that my generation actually came up believing we were gonna integrate this culture. We actually mm. came up believing that we had moved past certain places of silence and that we, even though we were, we didn't have any rule book, we were messed up in a lot of respects, yeah. but the quiet, I think one of the biggest spaces of silence and grief in Gen X, it writ large, is we don't talk about the fact that we were on the ground integrating this culture in those schools. Absolutely. And that we really forged connection, relationship, we, we tried things, and the, the place where we are right now in terms of the rigidities around identity, the rigidities around race and class boundaries, it wasn't quite like that when we were coming up. Mm -hmm. and, and as a result, I think it makes, you know, it's made me very, very skeptical huh. of a lot of the, a lot of the, it's kind of like the, I, I've often said like the technology that frees you can also cage you if you're not careful. Absolutely. So all of that is to say, you see how I do my Aquarian talk. Yes, yes I, love I love it. We're, I we're love the same. It. We are the same. We're signed <laughs> up. We're all signed up. Right. But, but I got to college 
and I did go to college. I went to, I got, uh, I got into Vassar College, uh, and which at that point prided itself on having like a really great drama department. And I, you know, again, naive, Meryl Streep had gone there. I was like, there's no better actor, you know, like go where she went. <laughs> and I, I didn't know from anything, you know, like I, so, so in many ways I went blind. Mm. And what, I was then blind sided by class. I had never been around people who had that kind of wealth. I had never been in an institution that was intentionally crafted to support their futures. Huh. And that, you know, for many of us who were coming from working class or poor backgrounds, whether it was the intention or not, our experience was very often that we were like in a control setting. We were like the variables for this group of people to yeah. learn how to interface with with people who are different than they. But yeah. our journey was not central. That's the experience we had, whether it was true yeah. or not, right? And I was told in a very blunt way by the head of the acting program at the end of my first year that I would never be cast in a leading role and that I should find another major to mm -hmm. And it was like a knife to the heart, you know? Um, and mm -hmm. I certainly had dealt with racism before but I never dealt with it in that kind of institutional setting. Mm -hmm. And also what I now can look back on and say, oh, there had to have been homophobia in there too, or, or some, you know, yeah. some rejection. And, and so it comes back to that place you were talking about at the very beginning about labels. No one knew what to do with me. And the easiest thing to do was to just get, get me out of the picture because I complicate things. Yeah. I've always complicated things. So if you're going to have a conversation about these very clear boundaries, and then you have somebody walk in who blurs all of them, you know, just by virtue of being who they are, that's, that's tricky. So that was the first place where I really got a big fat no yeah. from, from uh, you know, a kind of the path that I should have taken in the world of eyes of the world which is go get a degree in theater and then become an actor or become a whatever. Yeah. And for me, it ended up being that I left school for a semester um, and then I ended up coming back and I chose to align myself with a program of study in Africana studies. And that, that gave me yeah. the critical, historical, philosophical chops to be able, like I was talking about, what did I just experience? That same curiosity thing, right? What is this? Why did they do that? Da, da, da. And it helped me realize that I actually was not alone. This was not a story that mm -hmm. was Daniel's story. This is a story mm -hmm. of almost every Black artist that had a successful career. They were told no. And, I, and to be able to be brought into that field to say, oh, I can have an analysis of this. I cannot take this personally. I can understand that this is a phenomenon that I'm, I'm, this is where I'm hitting yeah. the intersection of race, class, gender, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. But, but I can, I'm still, I'm whole, I'm an artist, I'm good. I'm gonna yeah. do my thing. I'm mm -hmm. gonna figure my way out. And that's yep. what, so I was like, oh, the, the hard part was that it came when I was 17, 18. Yes. The great part was that it came when I was 17. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't invest myself into something that I knew didn't want me there. It's so interesting because um, 
do you feel it's, it's interesting because I feel like these days we have more labels than we ever have before. Uh-huh. Right. Um, yet, yet you, you had said something interesting, how you feel like perhaps we're more rigid than we used to be, which is interesting because we're so many, but, but yet there's more people fighting for freedom perhaps than there was. And maybe that is because of the internet and social media, we're hearing about it more, but I guess, I don't even know what my question is. It's just, there's a lot of, um, just kind of marinating in what you said, but how, how do you feel like for me, I guess you were talking about having you, you weren't really in this box, but now I'm thinking of like the terminology non-binary and that's a huge thing these days. Was that a term back then mm-hmm. in the eighties? Was that around? Probably not. Not at all. Not at all. So <clears throat> I mean, like how, how do you, how do we move forward from this? Uh, why, why, why have we, I feel like we've gone backwards. Like what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, you know, there's a, there's an expression in the culture of like some is a trick bag, right? It's like, you think it's going to do one thing, but it's going to catch you and do another. And I would say historically, right? In in every culture, there's a trickster figure. Mm-hmm. That's true. Every culture. And most often they're in some way connected with language, with utterance, with a spell being cast or a thing mm-hmm. being named. And part of the trick is always like, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. So like, be careful with how you name something, right? Mm. And yeah, I mean, again, I had the benefit of being born into and then kind of coming of age during a time when, and I think particularly, I was deeply, deeply shaped by black womanist, black feminist writers and thinkers, right? Mm. And so I was, I was around when a lot of this language was being born Mm-hmm. And, and it was being used in such glorious ways to say, you will not erase my experience. Mm. I will claim my experience and I will claim it, the fullness of it. I will be able to sit with the contradictions of it. And I will demand that you and I recognize our differences from our distinctions. Yes. That we're not all the same. And there was such a movement, especially in you know, left-leaning circles to find out what our commonalities were, to be in coalition, but it all, always there was something that you were asked to leave outside. Yes. You know, especially as, you know, people of color, as queer people, like there was always this recentering of some, you know, normative, white, heterosexual, patriarchal, blah, 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 all of that language that we all know. Yep. Mm-hmm. But in yep. this moment, right, One of the things that I feel like my ancestors fought against so profoundly was the idea of racial essentialism. That by virtue of your biology, somehow you possess innate characteristics, qualities that are character-based qualities. Mm -hmm. And so it was levied against us, you know, as was levied against the Jews, Mm -hmm. as was levied, we can go through all of history, Mm -hmm. that there are these inescapable innate qualities Mm-hmm. And my, my ancestors, your ancestors fought tooth and nail to say, no, we do have lineage. We do have tradition. We do have some things that come through embodiment. You know, epigenetics, yep. we talk about that now. But yep. we are also individuals. We are, we, are, we are distinct. There will never be another person like you, my, any of us. 
-hmm. and and to 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 collapse a human being into a into a named category that somehow is supposed to tell you about who they are based on that identity that to me i don't think that's what they intended i think what they intended was to get us out of the yoke of that reduction yeah there's a danger and the image the example i always use Two young women were born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama in the 1950s, like late 40s through the early 60s. Mm -hmm. They both, these young women were not in the same family. They both lived relatively near one another. They both knew one of, if not more, of the four little girls that were killed in that, that infamous bombing in Birmingham. Mm. And one of them became Angela Davis and the other became Condoleezza Rice. Two black women of right. the same age from the same town who wow. knew the same historical circumstance and they couldn't be more different from one another. And the consequences of those differences could not be more profound. Absolutely. So the danger for me when I hear someone say, oh, we, we just need somebody who is this, this and this. I'm like, y'all, <laughs> you know, it's a tricky thing. So it is not to say that I'm against the idea of naming the spaces, mm -hmm. like it would matter if I was, right? But like, what, I'm, what, what is important to me is I do get to look around and I see what you're saying yep. in this younger generation who I've been fortunate to teach. I've never yeah. seen young people call, go to the mat for one another like I have seen them do. They will fight you to make sure somebody has the ability to be who they are yes strength that yes. is a hardship mm -hmm. i also want to ask folk to remember that you want to fight for people's right to continually be becoming continually be discovering who they are yes. changing their mind revealing new layers contradicting yes. the story that they might have told even an hour ago because yep. they're continuing to unfold as human beings. So if we're able to have both things, the naming that allows us to connect and to see and to articulate experience and the freedom and the space to continue the journey of being alive, I'm down with that. But that Absolutely. doesn't feel like where, I, where we are right now. Yeah, you, oh. very well said for sure. Absolutely, geez. You know, and I think one thing you're talking about that really struck with me is that the idea of how we can all start out in one plane or from the same similar experience, but it doesn't mean we end up in the same way, even if you may think it would happen to be that that kind of course. And as someone that is cisgendered as myself, I'm someone that is a huge ally and a huge um, advocate for non-binary individuals and not necessarily just people, but neutralizing the binary as a whole. It's mm -hmm. kind of the buzz phrase that I like to kind of say in terms of when people say, what am I, what will I not shut up about? Like a dating app. And I say like, what are like, what's your icebreaker? Or like your, your prompt Think Like what I will never shut up, shut up about. And it's neutralizing the binary because mm -hmm. that is honestly the fact that two things that separate them from being different and they don't need to be different. You just neutralize because there's all this dialogue about positivity, positivity, positivity. And that's, that's great. But 
what next? It's not a matter of it just being positive or negative. It's about not having anything. It's just about, it is what it is. We're human, we're people, we're blood, we're water. We have cells or molecules in our body, but all the things that we try to pin judgment or discrimination to each other against, that needs to continue to die. That needs to continue to settle down so that way we can have an understanding of how to embrace another in our differences, to learn, to be curious about our differences, but come at it from a place where we're not segregating and dividing another because segregation has been in so many different parts of our history as far as we can remember. We don't need to segregate more and more and more. And I think there would be a lot less of that as Rachel's pointing out, if one, I'm a little bit in a different, not just agreement with Rachel. I think I'm, I hear what she's saying. I think we do have too many labels that are out there. But I do find there are certain things that help us understand each other better, which is what you're, you were referring to. And that's sure. where I see it as well. Because there are things where you can easily say someone I have or I live with or I, I identify as such that opens a conversation that could help understand someone to help understand you better and how to navigate in the world, but not victimizing yourself because you are that and that you don't take responsibility for how it may affect you or your placement in society or the industries you may choose to be in as a professional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's it true, it is. And you know, it's kind of like, we've talked about this I think on the past couple episodes about uh, just just our our shared paths and about both here when I are grandchildren of Holocaust survivors and just how you know there are certain things like what you just said. I mean, if I if I said, well, you know, my grand grandparents are Holocaust survivors and therefore there's a whole that whole experience, it it is still a part of me. I'm not going to say it's not like that is. A part of me and that kind of would tell you perhaps you know how maybe we go about our lives we're resilient we're strong okay yeah we've got a lot of mental health bullshit as well because because of that um that I don't necessarily want to detach myself from but I also don't want to I guess be labeled as such so I think it's just it's really difficult to just kind of be out there in the ether as just you know whatever you kind of Kid, that it's just I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say this is there's a lot <laughs> to come to that thing that there's a lot right and, and that um you know one yeah. a quote I come back to again and again and again from one of my late mentors who we also lost last year her name was Robin oh Holly one of the great great performance artists of the United States um wow and she would always tell me you know, when it comes to contradictions, always seek to house the contradiction, not to resolve the contradiction. Because the, that contradiction, there's like, it's like a nuclear engine. Like there's, there's the tension between the things that feel like they can't be in the same space. Make the space bigger. Mm -hmm. Don't try to mash them or pick them or was, because that, that tension is life force. And so, yes, you know, we do have these inherited threads of experience mm -hmm. that are real. And spiritually, that's that, like, not only epigenetically, not only in mm -hmm. terms of narrative and family story, but, but on a spiritual tip, 
what does it mean that you are you are the dream of the one who who struggled to survive or didn't survive absolutely right? and yeah. that does task a life in a different way because you are carrying forward you are the embodiment of of them looking death in the face and saying i dream of my grandchild yes absolutely you're the, you're the embodiment of that for me yep so yes and my thing is just this is like my grandmother used to take me to on walks to look at nature mm. and of course as a kid so, sometimes you have that thing like i'm gonna go pick that flower and she goes no, no. <laughs> that flower is alive in that patch mm. of land and you are passing by it it's a it's on its own thing <laughs> how can the encounter be one that doesn't lead to extraction or or mm. or, 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 or cage picking a thing so mm. i meet you and then i'm like you know, grandchild of Holocaust survivors, podcast hosts, you know, they're like, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I extract out the, the blurb that I need from you all. Mm -hmm. And then I somehow think I know you yeah. versus saying, actually, I will never know another human. But what I can do is have an experience. And yeah. that's, that's what I want to keep coming back to in my work. Yeah. And what I want to keep coming back to in my, if, if there's one thing that I can offer before I leave this planet, I hope it's that encounter can lead to experience and not extraction. That you can be brought, everything can be broadened by being present to the thing you're experiencing in real time and not feeling the need to collapse it, to distill it to what I call a taxonomical approach. Like you take the butterfly, you pin it, you name it, and you put <laughs> it away. Love it. I love it. What I'm curious to know more about Daniel is uh, first and foremost, I think there's been lots of threads that have been connected um, beyond anything uh, relating to what the public maybe has a chance to get to hear you speak about. And so what I would love to know is that even though we're coming up kind of at the last quarter of our conversation, I'm really curious to know about as you take Daniel of those experiences that you've been through and you think about the works you've created, the projects you've um, collaborated on, how have some of those lessons in your life, those takeaway experiences of curiosity, how have they transcended into your works? And what has the response been of the people that have um, engaged with your works? Thank you, that's a really beautiful question. Um, I think the latest project, which is this Aten project, and it is a, you know, it's something that can be accessed as a digital space, right? It, it houses, music videos, the songs that the music videos are, are born from, it, mm -hmm. conversations, reflections. So it's really like a living, a living space that's digital as the right. point of access because of the pandemic. Um, but which afforded me this incredible opportunity to make something that wasn't about live performance in real time with other people, but somehow takes those same ideas and puts them out. So. I think the way that that project did what you're saying, like how did it, like how did I bring these questions to the work and how did the work inform me? That project was born absolutely after my mom's passing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a thing that I think, you know, anybody who's fortunate to have, you know, a, 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 a healthy relationship with a parent can say, there's no preparation for when they go. And, it, you know, I was 50. You would think I would be 
better, you know, because it's like you keep in it, but no, it, it, it really undid me and it continues to undo me. And my grief was such that, you know, it was happening during COVID. So, so many people were dying. So many people I know were dying. There were, there were losses everywhere you looked. So there was some balm in that because I was like, oh, death is around us, you know? Yeah. And, and in my case, the, I at least got to be with her. Oh my gosh, yeah. But there are people I know who didn't, they couldn't even, they couldn't even see their loved one at the end. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. but you still got the grief and, and the grief connected to, as I shared with you earlier, like all of what that means, because, you know, I'm looking at a world that is the inversion of what they worked and prayed for. Hmm. I'm, I'm looking at a nation that is in a worse state of affairs than 1968. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which is, yeah. you know, they were like, there has never been and there will never be here like that. And I'm like, we topped it, you know? So, so what, I, what I had to do was to take all of those questions and find a way to move them through. And so this became the thing. And, and it was, it was um, I'm so grateful to that project. I think it will always in some way be my favorite thing I've ever made because it was the thing that helped me stay and, and grieve and make, I think, an offering to anybody who's lost somebody with this project. And it's stealthy because you don't know it, you don't know it's about grief at the top. But it really is about grief. It's about grief, loss, transformation. Um, and then the reaction of people, you know, it's interesting because I'm I feel like many artists can say this. You know, we, we don't really hear back from you. I mean, like unless you're doing something that you, you know, in live performance, like where I walk out, somebody sure. comes up to the show. Yeah. Maybe you get a good review. But but what I will say is the the people that have been this year for some reason. I heard from, I want to say almost a, almost a dozen former students. Wow. And I, some of that was because of my mom's that they heard and they wrote mm. a note or whatever. But a lot of it was like, they saw the work or they read the book or they're like, you know, it just started like somehow got triggered that they wanted to connect with me. Mm. Some of them, one in particular I'm thinking of, I hadn't seen in over a decade. Oh, wow. And to have them, they came to my book signing and they said, you know, I'm looking at this person who's like grown now. <laughs> you know, like they're in the yeah. Yeah. all the way. That's and wonderful. who they are was who they were then. Yeah. And I knew that that's who they were, but they didn't know yet. But they, they hadn't taken They weren't that. ready, yeah. They were ready. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, to have them say how important I had been to them, that's the stuff like, when that's why I would say, tell your teachers, tell people if you read a book or you hear a music or you see a film, write the people who made it. Yeah, you cannot know what it does yeah. to our spirits to hear back. What do you teach? Well, I <laughs> please tell me. <laughs> so I, I've taught in theater programs, you know, okay, I, for, for 13 years, I've been on faculty at Fordham University, I'm a professor there. Okay. And, you know, I've been, I'm, I, let's just put it this way, other than being alive and going to high school, I've never been anywhere for 13 years. So it's been, a, it's a lot going on with that too, right? But, <laughs> yeah. um, but I teach 
uh, acting, solo performance, playwriting, theater history, theater oh studies gosh. classes, you know, wow. like a little bit of a little bit of everything. Wow. Um, and it's been it's been vital. I think it, it really being able to do that over the, you know, I, I started really making work professionally, like officially out of school and everything in 1993. And I've taught the entire time. Okay. Wow. It's it's definitely a part of who I am um, for sure. And did you and did you ever live in New York City? Why do I feel like okay? I feel like okay. So how yeah, long have you? Oh, right, a long time. So how yeah, long yeah. have you been on the I, West Coast? I was, I was in. I return. I've been in and out of New York like most young artists, you know, yes. on and off. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then I I lived there in the early two thousands, and then I returned in two thousand six, and have lived there until two years ago when I started. When I started coming, I've been coming out to LA a lot. But I, I had a sabbatical year, and then the next year was the pandemic year. So I, I was out here for two years, and I just I kind of realized that this is my place. You know, like mm-hmm. it takes a long time to find where your place is. Yeah. Um, and so I, I maintain my relationships with with work in New York, and and you know, and and kind of listening for what parts of the chapter will be next, but. Um, but LA is LA has been the West Coast in general. I should say is is really where my spirit has always wanted to be. I love that. And you, yeah, you're in Vancouver. I'm in Vancouver. Rachel grew up in North Vancouver and lives in Vernon. So as far as West Coast, best coast, like we understand that. It, I mean, preach the <laughs> choir for sure. I got to go to Vancouver one time. And it was Thank you. A beautiful city. I was like, I've never seen a city so beautiful. I was, oh. I was like, what are you telling me? When were you there? I was there in like <laughs> 2005. And I, I have to say, I was there when it was sunny. So everybody was oh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, definitely not sunny right now. <laughs> Still that is, it is, it is very beautiful. Before, I just want to ask something before we, I know, I can't believe what time it is already, but tell us about Jamama Jones, because I was listening to some, I was listening on Spotify to some Jamama Jones that I really enjoyed it. And I, are you still, is this still something that's very much part of you? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I first performed, uh, I, I, I really feel I've said in other conversations, I feel she came to me. Yes. I really, you know, without being too woo woo, it really is more like channeling yeah. or masked performance where it, there's something happening that is beyond the conscious mind. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, 1995 was the first time I performed as Joe. She's been with me wow. for a long time. So, so she will always be here. Yes. Um, but what, what's interesting is, you know, I, the last decade has really been about her and has really been about her, the performance pieces, albums, everything that's come out of her. And right now I'm actually in this process of figuring out like, oh, okay, but there's a new version of Daniel that's come forward. Who's he? And I'm giving yeah. a little space for me to voice some things. So that's also exciting. It's new terrain. I haven't really done a piece that is based on my own experience in about, yeah, like 12, 13 years. So oh, wow. I'm now listening toward that. What keeps you grounded? Because I feel oh. like there's, <laughs> maybe, are you, maybe you're not grounded. Maybe you're, you know, saying, you're saying the question to two, and, three Aquarians. I know, because, cast. you know, actually, you know what? <laughs> I think I just put my foot in my mouth because I I've actually been learning how to deal with groundlessness instead of being grounded. But 
as we all, I guess, are right now. But I just, I just feel like there's, like I said, you, you do a lot and there's, you know, a lot of, there's nothing's necessarily concrete. Is there anything that you do that kind of so-called grounds you? It's like (laughs) my friends. Yeah. Perfect. I have the most amazing friends, many of whom I've, I've been very close to for 20, 30 years. Um, and I have wonderful new friends, you know, meeting you to, I hope we are friends, you know, like I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Always about like that. I go back to what my grandmother said, you know, whatever you are going through, there's space outside of that, go to the space outside. And so my friends represent that to me and that they will call and I'll be like, and they'll be like, you said that same thing two years ago. (laughs) They have the receipts. They can bring humor, they can bring motivation. And, you know, increasingly, as someone who, you know, I feel like I became a warrior at a very young age. Mm. Increasingly, I'm learning one of, one of Robbie's other big uh, provocations to me is to lay your weapons down. And I'm mm. learning that that, that that is a process and that doing that with my friends is a necessary part of the journey of our friendships. Mm -hmm. And even those, like I said, I've been friends with for a long time, and I'm sure you two can relate to this, that there come these places where no matter how much you love each other, no matter how long you've been together, something will arise that has stakes attached to it. It feels so big that it could be a point where that friendship could break. And you have to choose whether to be vulnerable, really vulnerable. And if you do it, the, the, what unfolds, the power of what unfolds, whoo. And if it does, if it breaks the friendship, then that's what needed to break it. But more often than not, in my experience, it's been like, oh my God, I just realizing that I didn't spend 20 or 30 years building a friendship on nothing. There's a real foundation. Mm-hmm. So that's that basically, I love it. And that pretty much just explains the whole past couple of years, I think with everyone's relationships has been a real test for all kinds of different kinds of relationships. <laughs> yep, that's for sure. <laughs> and so there was this question that Rachel was asking um, me to answer. And so this is the question that we wanted to ask that was tailored more to your wheelhouse of information and um, inspiration. And so the juicy question that we want to ask you is, what is juicier, on Broadway or off Broadway? Oh. OK, why? Broadway is the manicured garden. Off-Broadway is a field of wildflowers. And that's where I would rather be. So it's still like that, hey? And I guess that was, my, that was also my question. I haven't been to New York in forever, but I- Extraordinary work that's been happening. Yeah. I mean, I will yeah. say, but I will still say that, that a, a work comes to Broadway after it's been refined. And there is beauty and power in that. But mm-hmm. for me, I will always love the rough utterance, the yes. real raw thing. That's just my nature. Yes, so love it. It's not yeah. one is better, but for me, was juicier. I'm gonna go there. Yeah, I love it. That's exactly I think what I said. We're all in agreement, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we also just 
want you to be able to quote unquote plug whatever oh. whatever it is that you'd like to plug at the end of our podcast um, session here with you. Uh, the end, not we're not saying goodbye. We're just saying, you know, Bye until next you. time. Bye Don't for now. Me. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, just very simply, I would I would send folks to this website, www.atenaten.life. Um, and there you'll see the videos, you'll, you'll hear the music. Um, you can, there, there's a little pop-up showing where you can go listen on Spotify or, or download the album. And we're also, we're releasing it as a vinyl album uh, this month. So cool. I, mean, I would say go there because I think that gives you a taste. And then if you want more, you can find me online. <laughs> Love. Amazing. And we always put all all that juicy info in the show notes, so not to worry. <laughs> yeah. It's Hero. been absolutely a pleasure to have you. I am really grateful that we could get connected to you through your correspondent. And uh, thank you so much for your time and your vulnerability, your transparency in sharing it with us. And uh, we definitely would love to keep in touch. And you definitely have a, a friend in me. I can't speak for Rachel, but definitely have a friend in me. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I mean, I, right? what? I know, exactly. Why? Why? <laughs> well, because I'm not going to take the words out of someone's mouth, but you know, like you, we're clearly on the same wavelength mm. and the world is always closer when you have, you know, like-minded folks and doesn't matter if, and especially if you're close enough by a couple hours of a plane ride, you never know where you're going to end up in the future. So, you know, always stay connected, whatever the two of us can do to support you, please let us know. Um, we're on Instagram. We can chat, DM, all those things. And if there's anything else that we can do to support you, just let us know. Same here. And thank you for the gift of this time. It was really, I love, look, look at what can happen in an hour. If you're Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's just to a seeming, seemingly a stranger, which I would never call you that. I don't really call, I don't think anyone is a stranger. Just, we're just all that have to find, haven't found that piece of connection yet. Right. So yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank Thank you. you. We'll chat soon. Have a good night. Bye Daniel. Thank you. Juicy.